Hello there guys and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week I am joined once again by Steve J. Ray. Now for anyone who's been listening for the last few weeks, you must be thinking, am I just turning Steve J. Ray into my co-host? And the answer is no, but it just seemed that there was a lot of podcasts we were doing where he wanted to be involved or I invited him or whatever. You know, we did Professor Elemental, we did BZ, and then this week we were going to be doing a chat with someone else, but they... We don't know if they pulled out, they just didn't show up. So I <laughs> I haven't quite followed that up yet. I'm going to give it a little while. But essentially, the reason we had a podcast because we were meant to be speaking with someone else and uh, me and Steve wanted to chat with them and then something happened and we couldn't do it. So me and Steve, as we booked off the time, in air quotes, you know, we set aside the hour or so that we had. So we just decided to press record and chat. And we were just talking about random stuff for about 15 or 20 minutes before we even press record while we were waiting for the guest to show up. Uh, so yeah, it was just a really, cool chat i would have with steve and it's quite comic orientated but we don't really spoil stuff in brief we talk about alan moore's work you know watchman viva vendetta miracle man swamp thing all in a little bit because i've only consumed a certain amount of that content there's no spoilers or anything for those uh, things either we then talk about you know comic books heroes and villains what makes a good story steve's relationship with comics over the years because he's been an active comic reader for i think over 40 years uh, as well as you know loads of other cool things as well you know it's always an absolute pleasure to speak with steve both to hear him on his show superheroes for dummies as well as his other numerous shows that i've included links to in the description and whatnot but yeah this was just a fun chat between two friends talking about mainly sort of comics and superhero e stuff so if that sounds like your kind of jam please tune in if you haven't heard of miracle man or a lot of alan moore's work then this is a really really good way to kind of get your foot in the door and get some information about it without it getting spoiled so yeah there's going to be a quick promo today, but it's going to be for the Superheroes for Dummies podcast, which is on the feed of Comics in Motion, along with my show, Star Wars Comics in Canon. Steve is one of the three hosts of that show as well. Uh, and then our whole chat is released in one go. And then right at the end there, I'll come back to give you guys some more information of what's coming up, my Patreon, my Star Wars show, and a few other bits and pieces too. So really hope you guys enjoy the chat. If you do, make sure you reach out to Steve J. Ray on Twitter at l underscore stevo i've included a link to that in the description so you can see exactly how that is spelt but give him some love send it from the show i know you guys are all wonderful in that regard so as always thanks a lot for tuning in and i'll talk to you at the end picture this someone who knows nothing about comics someone who knows comics from movies tv and video games a complete ultra comics nerd you pick the character you want us to talk about you send us the questions you want answered you make the show a podcast by fans for fans making new fans superheroes or dummies Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. Cool, I've started recording then. Um, so I want to ask, uh, you are basically, like, I'm known in the Comics Emotion group as the Star Wars Guru, which for canon, I will accept that. For Legends and the, the realm of everything else, no, not quite. But one of the things that I love uh, so much about hearing you on Superheroes Dummies and talking you off air is obviously your great knowledge and appreciation for comics. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I want to ask specifically is we were just talking about, you know, Miracle Man and obviously uh, there's the first three books and then there's the Golden Age, which Neil Gaiman took over. Mm -hmm. And from what I've seen online, Neil Gaiman took over um, Swamp, well, not took over, he did Swamp Thing after more. He, he? No, not Swamp Thing. He wrote a couple oh. of Swamp Thing issues, standalones, uh, but he created his own enough. universe called Sandman. That's the and next one on my list. Sandman yes. Universe literally 
it follows on directly, perfectly from what um, he, uh, Alan Moore did with Swamp Thing. So oh. you'll see that some of the characters from Swamp Thing, from Alan Moore's on something, turn up in New Game and Sandman. And New Game just takes those little seeds plants them in fertile ground and then goes nuts because what neil gaiman is he's an imagineer he's not quite as poetic or as what's the word i'm looking for with alan moore he's not quite as um introspective as alan Mm. moore he then goes into english literature he brings shakespeare into his stories the character as well as the plays shakespeare Mm. actually appears in several um Sandman stories. Oh. Um, he brings um, Norse myth, um, the realm of fairies, and it is oh, it's it's again like Alan Moore Swamp Thing, which is like fifty odd issues of gorgeousness. Neil Gaiman Sandman is literally just seventy five issues, and it's self contained. Honestly, it is literature. It's as mm. good as anything out there by Stephen King, by James Herbert, by you know, I'll say it. I think it's it's on a level with Shakespeare or with um, uh, oh God, fuck, how can I forget his name? Oh, uh, Charles Dickens. And- Dickens. There you go. Hmm. Um, he it's magic, but you'll love it and appreciate it more if you read more something first. Mm. Yeah, because it's one of those things where uh, with. I'm really enjoying Miracle Man, and there's a specific part in book two that I won't spoil for anyone uh, listening and things. But in uh, Miracle Man, there's a part where there's there's a character called Cream, and he's narrating uh, uh, quite a few parts in in the uh, in one of the comics. And, and yeah, it's very very interesting. Great and then character. after that, Miracle Man has this sort of I don't know if to call it a revelation, but he has this moment of clarity almost. And then you kind of hear his internal monologue. And I remember reading it, and I was like each little sort of segment of monologue in each panel, you could just take that out and that would be some sort of like mini poem that I feel like you could literally tear apart and interpret in like a Absolutely. whole English class. Absolutely, yep. Yeah, Definitely. and it, it's one of those things because like with, I'm going to have to go back at some point and reread um, reread Watchmen because what I did foolishly is I watched the Watchmen movie before mm-hmm. I'd read the comic or anything like that. No, I don't not think seen. that's foolish. I don't what, think that's what, foolish at all. That's not the foolish part necessarily. The foolish part oh. is I then picked up Watchmen from a mate of mine. I read the first chapter or so and was like, not for me. But this was, I think Watchmen, the movie came out 2009. So this was mm-hmm. you know 12 years ago. So I was, yeah. you know, teenager. And yeah. so I read it and it didn't hook me in the same way uh, yeah. that the, the film did. So I was like, no, it's not for me. Put that down. And now that I'm reading Miracle Man, I'm like, no, it just... It takes a little while to get going. Like what you read, You're absolutely you, right. You read the first slow two burn. pages. It's slow burn. That's a good way of putting it. Because like with Miracle Man, like I read the first couple pages, and I was. It wasn't one of those things that you, know, you, you read certain comics, more so like actiony comics. Some of the Star Wars yeah, ones do. They quite grab you. Yeah. yeah, the first few pages, you watch Darth Vader spin around, do a massive flip, and destroy fifty things at once. And you're like, oh man, this has got me. But like Alan Moore is building so many layers yes. of things without you even realizing it. Like he's building and building and building, and then mm-hmm. when you get to the point where you're at sort of not even the top of the mountain, almost like a summit, and you're like, wait a minute, and you turn behind you, and you're like, oh, look at all this yeah. stuff, and you still got so far to go, mm-hmm. and it was like. So with Miracle Man, because I like the film V for Vendetta, I know Alan Moore's not a fan of his film adaptations, but I think a lot of them have got very interesting elements. Cause like, oh, absolutely. Because like the Watchmen movie, like I love it. And it's like, when I watched it, I was like, I've never seen a superhero film like, like this. This, mm-hmm. is, this is hitting all these hard, brutal topics and things. Yes. And V for Vendetta is a very, there's so many layers to that movie. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that the graphic novel's even deeper. So it's like, there's so much of Alan Moore. I just want to, 
read it all. Is there any Alan Moore that isn't that amazing out of interest? Um, yes, but it's not his fault. Um, back in the 90s, when Image Comics launched, um, they were literally the first creator-owned superhero comics. It was literally a whole bunch of artists who decided they wanted to write as well and were tired of the constraints that your Marvels and your DCs placed upon them. So they launched their own line called Image. And mm-hmm. some of it was great, but a lot of it was, was terrible. And when you get writers who are great um, writers writing comics with a great artist, that's good. With a poor artist, it's bad. What Image was, was great artists who couldn't write for shit. Right. And a lot of it, you pick up these comics and they looked fantastic. And kids and teenagers were loving it. But anyone who was a comics fan, I mean, obviously I was an adult back then, so I picked up a few Image titles because everyone was raving about it. And I'm thinking, what the hell is this? Apart from Spawn, uh, most of it was absolutely awful. But then um, when the creators were getting lured back, they were making money, they were getting noticed again, and DC and Marvel lured them back in, um, you had these comics running with no one to write them, and people like Neil Gaiman and Alan Moore would go in to write a guest issue or three. Mm. And that's when those comics got good. (laughs) But then DC bought the rights for a few, um, other companies bought rights for a few, and the original image vanished. Um, it relaunched a few years ago. DC now own it completely, but it is run still the same way as a uh, creator-owned comics company. Mm. And Image Comics right now are killing it. They're brilliant. But yeah, um, I wouldn't bother with the Image stuff because he was literally using Image characters, which again belonged to other people. So he had to be quite respectful and not wasn't allowed to go buck wild like he did on everything else. But his main things you need to own are yeah watchmen v vendetta miracle man but his opus his opera his magnificence is his swamp thing run mm-hmm. because that was literally he was on it for years and years and years he was allowed to still tell the story he wanted to tell and it's oh it's magnificent it mm-hmm. really is and he wanted to show a world of superheroes but he wanted to show the world of superheroes in what would actually happen. Like, as I said, with Miracle Man, he ends up ruling the world. In something, he basically turns his back and he'll come if needed. With uh, Beef Vendetta, it's the government overthrow the people, but then the people fight back. And in Watchmen, it's the superheroes do rule the world, but we just don't know about it, and they cause something horrible and kill millions to save billions so he literally goes through every aspect of what would happen should these creatures really exist in the real world and and they had the power levels that they did and oh man i cannot wait for you You, you're going to be messaging me saying steve yeah i've just read miracle man book three omfg what (laughs) (laughs) yeah i can't wait because it's one of those things that like um like i I said uh, before like i'm trying to Eventually, with Comics in Motion, uh, it's going to be launching a book club, which I've uh, got the torch for, and I'm going to be sorting all that sort of stuff out. And the first one I do is I'm going to do it about something just like Star Wars, probably one of the Darth Vader runs, and just kind of get the footing in things. But what I want to do is, as the idea is going to be like, have me and a few guests on, and then one of the, we all have a bit of time to read whatever the comic of the month is. And then one of the people who's the guest, which will start the Comics in Motion family, maybe we'll expand, uh, will then choose 
the next month's thing. And then that one person will obviously have to host the next one. It will kind of go like that. And what I want to do is, um, I, basically I'm trying to put it in where I'll speak in the Discord chat and say, right guys, for uh, I'm starting with this, a few weeks, a few months, whatever we can do, whatever. But at this point, I want Steve to do Miracle Man and I want Scott to be on it because I know that he's a massive Miracle Man uh, fan as well because he, he was is. the other person who said. Really and is, I was like, yeah. I just want to be in a conversation involved where you and Scott can say how incredible it is and me go hey i'm not i've only been like a comics newbie and stuff and i've read it and i'm only halfway through now at the moment and i'm like and it is already incredible and one of the things i love about it is halfway through uh book two once again without spoiling it there's there's a i remember reading on the front it says you know mature content and the stuff and i was like oh okay i don't remember the first book being that bad <laughs> that smiled and then, yeah and i was like oh it's like you know i've read obviously star wars books they're like teen rated so there's a little mm. bit but there's not really much blood in in star wars there's no sex and things so it's like okay and i've read a few other things and stuff but i was like okay mature content i was like okay and you get like halfway through the book and you're like is it is this mature maybe they've been swearing and i haven't really noticed it or something and then something happens and there's one scene mm-hmm. where you can see me on webcam where uh yeah. miracle man does this with two people mm-hmm. and they just explode <laughs> and i remember yeah. reading that i turned the page and i was like holy fuck <laughs> i was yeah. just like and what mm-hmm. i love about it is it's not I- i'm fine Truthers. with overly good tr- yes exactly yeah. i'm fine with overly gratuitous blood and violence and all that sort of stuff but it's way better and it hits way harder when it's not, if every page mm-hmm. is a gore fest, like a, yeah. a grindhouse film, like a Machete or Robert Rodriguez movies, that's great. That's cool. It's a lot of fun. But it, it doesn't hit you very hard when yeah. it happens. But when you've got it where no, no, nothing really ha- has happened like that, and essentially a essentially Superman could easily, you know, rip people's heads oh, off yeah. or fly through people or whatever. When you see something like that happen, it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> and yeah. it works so much more because it hits you so much Absolutely. harder. Absolutely it's unexpected it's literally as violent as the violence itself because you're used to reading this guy who for 20 odd years he was just a middle-aging man who got married and nothing happened in his life and then he realized that in the 50s and 60s he had the powers of a god and he was a superhero but that whole history was made up someone mm-hmm. had written it for him and basically manipulated it and it's that wonderful line from book one when i was reading this and i thought this is this is this comic is serious is when he's telling his story to his wife and his wife basically laughs in his face and he says damn it liz you're laughing at my life mm-hmm. just that one line of dialogue so pure so profound like well shit yeah i mean if these characters exist and they told you their life stories, oh yeah, I was flying through space and then this space dragon came and you just think, shut up. <laughs> but, you know, that's like, how it happened. Yeah, of course it did. What were you smoking at the time? And of course he's telling you this story, which to him was real, but it was complete bullshit. And when he realizes it as well, and when he realizes that his pulp enemy, Gargunza, was the man who created all that bullshit in the first place, I mean, that would drive some people completely insane when if they realise that their entire life was a fiction. And there's a bit of a play on that on this one thing, but you'll you'll get to that. Um, so it was just brilliant. So like you said, he's just this guy and horrible things happen. So when the violence comes to bear, and it's against people who, let's be honest, deserve it, mm-hmm. got guns are in particular it makes it that much more impactful than if it's just pages and pages and reams and reams of blood and violence. It's yeah. just much more more powerful. 
Yeah, I agree. And with Alan Moore, like I know that one of the weirdest things about Miracle Man, obviously I knew from your Miracle Man episode, because that's the I'd never heard of him much, like I think many people haven't. Um and I'd heard of Marvel Man because once again, a lot of my weird peripheral knowledge of comic books and things either comes from video games or top trumps. And I just used to love when I was in primary school. So this is going back, you know, well over probably 18 years I think now plus and I was really young and I would just read you know I'd, there's like the collections of Marvel superheroes and there's three packs of them and each pack is 30 cards so it's like 90 things and they have a little fact file on them and stuff and I'd read them all and I'd know all the characters and all I'd know which card was the best and which uh, which um, skill was the best on one so I vaguely know who all the smartest characters are in Marvel on the basis that on the top trumps who had the highest intelligence and stuff so it's this weird I've got a very weird relationship with my knowledge of certain superheroes and things and I remember Marvel Man being there but then I remember I was, I was like Marvel Man and then there's also Captain Marvel but then there's also Ms. Marvel but then there's also and there's so many slight variations on the same name and I was like obviously they're not all the same people at all but like I remember not really understanding it fully when I was younger and stuff. And then when I heard your episode on Miracle Man and you delve into the sort of the complicated history, I mean, when I was talking to Paul and uh, Dan, one of the funniest things I found was when I was uh, when I was going online and looking for Miracle Man books. Um, and I think I was on Amazon. And I was just I, I compared it with like four different websites, which one had the cheapest, brand new, and stuff. And I remember on Amazon, the it was the third or the fourth most popular search for Miracle Man was the long complicated history of miracle man and i think that was higher on the list i think it went like miracle man one miracle man three then the complicated history of miracle man then miracle man two and i was like you've got the i mean not only is there a book about it which obviously sounds Mm -hmm. complicated but like you've got to think the book it's so complicated that the book is almost outselling the original content because it's so complicated (laughs) that the book of of the 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 outer universe looking in in a sense of the real world impacting it's it's mental and it's it's just like what i found so funny is whenever i read i was showing megan i was just laughing about it and she she wasn't really getting why i was laughing so much but like you read it in miracle man it says you know story by the original writer and obviously mm-hmm. they do that because Alan Moore don't want to be associated yep. with that sort of thing but it's quite funny because it's almost the way it's written is almost like a tongue-in-cheek thing because it's Absolutely. almost like this is written by the original writer it's like obviously oh is aren't they all like it's all comics written by the original writer it's like that's so obvious but obviously knowing the history from what you guys said it was it's really weird and like does Alan Moore even, even write comics anymore yes he does, oh, does he? yeah he does he um uh, uh, his wife is a um, erotic artist. Okay. And one of the series he is well known for is a series called Lost Girls, which is basically Red Riding Hood, Snow White, Cinderella, porn comics. Oh. Okay. It's the only real way to describe it. Um, there's a lot more to it than that. There's hmm. some fantastic fantasies and great imagination in there, but it's no holds barred, fully adult stuff. And that's not really my cup of tea. But he's also behind um, America's Greatest Comics, which is hmm. Tom Strong, Prometheus, and stuff like that. And a lot of that stuff is, again, magnificent. But that's been going for about 20 years now. So picking up, picking up all of it would be a very, very expensive thing. And not taking anything away from him because he's still an incredible writer. But if you want to pick up his greatest, it's literally those those five things. Swamp Thing, V for Vendetta, Miracle Man. Um, actually, one book I do recommend highly, hmm. and he'd hate me for saying this, is DC Universe, The Stories of Alan Moore. 
Okay, I'm right. And it's literally all the short stories and one shots he wrote for DC while he was with them. There's a Green Arrow story, a Vigilante story, a couple of Superman stories in there. The Superman stories are magnificent. They need to be in any Superman fans collection. Um, Killing Joke's in there and is and so yeah, some Green Lantern stories. Um, Pick that one up because you'll actually read it and you go. This man's imagination. Mm. Um, and again, his stuff wrote 30 years ago, which is still impacting the DC universe today. He creates a couple of Green Lanterns, which will blow your effing mind. Yeah. It is um, one of those things that I find that his his perception of reality, I think, mm-hmm. is the most interesting thing of when he like a lot of the dialogue he has and a lot of the imagery, it's like deep cuts, but in really clever ways. It's almost like Everyone else sees reality with this. Where they describe it in a Miracle Man, he's got that sort of glow to him, and he calls it the Tinkerbell effect. And it's got like that glistening shine to him. It's almost like all of us see the world with this glossy overcoat to it, almost like rose tinted glasses. But he actually sees it with all of it mm-hmm. stripped off, like mm-hmm. like when you've got like a scab and you pull it off and you can kind of yeah. see the inside bits. It's yeah. almost like he can see the rawness of all yeah. of the world. And each of these comics is a, is a small, like looking through a keyhole yes, into indeed. how he actually perceives everything. And you're like, you must, he must see the world in such a brutally real way because yeah. I think of his exponential intelligence. You're just like, mm-hmm. from reading it, I'm just like, I, I would, I, I used to think, you know, some of the people I want to most have a conversation with was this person or that person. But I just feel like I just want to ask Alan Moore, like, two questions. Almost like, what do you think happens when we die? And what do you think our reality is? And just see what he says. Because you I feel just like... scared me. Because those were more or less word to word the exact same questions I would ask him. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know I couldn't ask him about the comics or the stories he'd written because he doesn't want to talk about them. Exactly. But as you say, I know that he looks at this universe of ours completely differently to the way we do. And I just want a little glimpse of how does he see it? And those two questions, almost verbatim, Mike, you've scared me now, mate, <laughs> um, would be exactly what I would ask him as well. That's that's brilliant. I like that. That's made me smile. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's you've opened my eyes because the funny thing is with a lot of my comic beginnings is that the way I've got involved with all these comics things, I was just kind of riding the wave. I'm just the kind of guy who, I like a bit of everything, so I'm willing to try a lot of stuff. And a friend of mine, she was getting rid of comics she had, and it was she's one of my closest friends. I've been friends with her for like over 10 years and things, and she uh, used to date someone who's really massively into comics. And so she, by being with him, got her hands on quite a few comics and things. And one of the uh, comics she got was Killing Joke. And she was having to clear out a little while, years ago now, when she uh, moved. And she was like, oh, I've got a batch of these comics, do you want them for free? And I was like, I'll give you a fiver for them and things. And it was was, um, it was Killing Joke, and there was also Twisted Dark. I think it was the other one. Sorts of short stories for DC, which I haven't read that one yet. But I read Killing Joke, uh, and I went on Max's show, Mandatory mm-hmm. Marvel and DC, and I, I read it through once. I was like, "Oh, that was really, really cool." And then I reread it again to go on Max's show, yeah. and I was like, "Once you read it once, different. yeah, because yeah, you read it once, and you're like, oh, that that's the story." This, this is kind of what I say to people. What I find about Star Wars a lot of the time, you know, you watch it once, you get all the plot, and then you watch mm-hmm. it again, and you're like, then you get to see all the little details and stuff. Yes. And obviously, you can do everything. And when I reread Killing Joke specifically to talk about Killing Joke, I was like, some of these, it's it's chilling and genius of like this mm-hmm. is like the way I'd say it is like anyone who's trying to get into Batman, you read Killing Joke, that'll immediately hook you. Because that, yes. that hooked me, and it's like Definitely. the only reason Without I have. 
and the only reason I haven't read more Batman is literally because I, I was like, oh, I'll start buying Batman comic, DC comics, things like that. And then I saw, you know, Marvel Unlimited and I, I've got my hands on that. And then DC Infinite is coming out over here in summer. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm just going to get my hands on that because like the only reason I haven't delved into as many DC stuff that you guys talk about on Superheroes for Dummies is because, you know, it costs money to buy a lot of these things. But like <laughs> Superman is the big one I want to get into because I'm already sold on Batman. I've been reading... Um, uh, Megan's brother, my, my girlfriend Megan, he's he's massively into Batman. So I borrowed. Um, I haven't read. I haven't read Dark Knight Returns yet. I'm going to be reading that soon. But I've read uh, a couple of the new Fifty Two stories, Death mm-hmm. of the Family and Endgame. Brilliant and, stuff. Yeah, and I read obviously Killing Joke and things, and they're all very Joker esque stories. And but he he's, he hasn't got any Superman comics or anything like that. And I've always said that I'm not into Superman because he bores me because of a lot of the movie portrayals the power and levels, things. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like I I want to know the human side of him. And everyone I've spoken to who's a big Superman fan goes, look, All Star Superman, and there's a couple of others I know you mentioned yeah. as well. Which like what I, I think Man of Steel. I'm not overly a fan of that movie, but the first half of it I think is some it's of the like best superhero stuff. Yeah, the second half was just punching into buildings boring. But like the first half I was like I remember people saying Manistee wasn't very good and I watched it by myself years ago. I just bought on Blu-ray for cheap. And I watched the first half and I was like, what are people talking about? This is probably the most compelling superhero story I've seen in ages. And then, you know, the halfway point, I'm like, oh, I see. And it's it's the human side of it. The, yeah. the, the, the sort of moral questions that obviously Miracle Man delves into a lot of that. If you had the power of a god, yeah. how would you deal with it? And so, exactly. like with you, like with Superman, like I know Batman's your number one, but is, I remember you spoke to, is it Australian Steve is his name? Yeah, Steve Conroy. Scott Yeah, so with you as Superman, like what is, uh, not just specifically what your recommendations, but like, do Superman comics go into that realm quite a lot, like the right yes, ones? absolutely, the right ones. You have to know which ones to pick up, because of course, for every, I mean, we've got to remember as well, even with Batman, for every killing joke, there's like 10 or 12 stories which are just okay. But mm. um, it's the same with Superman. Um, it's more, again, of picking up certain runs by certain writers who knew what to do with him. Mm. And for me, after the original Golden Age era, when it was still Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster as creators, my favorite era of Superman was just after the Crisis on Infinite Earths when they depowered him and humanized him and changed his origin to that rocket that shot him from Krypton wasn't just a rocket, it was a womb. Mm-hmm. He was in there as an embryo and he was born when that rocket landed on Earth, opened and gave birth to him. Mm-hmm. So even though he was conceived on an alien world, he was raised on Earth as a human. And what happens is when, Mar- when uh, Jonathan and Martha Kent find him, they're out in Kansas and there's a blizzard and they're snowed in for a few months. So when they get out, they introduce the child as their own. So there's none of this nonsense about adoption and kids flying around the superpowers. He literally, as he grew older and absorbed the sunlight and got used to the Earth's gravity, similarly as to the way they did it in, in the Man of Steel movie, that's when his powers developed. So he thought until he was about 1819 that he was a mutant, like the X-Men, that he mm. just developed powers. He had no idea he was an alien until he was an adult. And being raised as a human being just completely changed the character for me. So I'd always liked him. And the Christopher Reeve movies are a huge influence on my childhood. But when I read that, and there's a six-issue miniseries you can pick up as a graphic novel, which is a must-buy for Superman fans. It's literally called Man of Steel, and it's by John Byrne, Mm -hmm. Max's uncle. Not really. that is the one Superman book I'd recommend to everyone because it also shows his first meeting with Batman. It shows how he learns he's an alien. And it's just a thing of beauty because at the end of the series, 
there's a line which I will take with me to my grave. And it's just after he's learned about Jorel, about crypto and everything else. And he says, well, okay, um, fair enough. I- I'm not a human. I'm an alien. I'm a superpowered being. And Krypton makes me super, but it's the earth that makes me a man. Uh-huh. And it's the line as simple as that, that totally changed the way I looked at that character. And that's when I started collecting Superman comics seriously was when John Byrne took over, picked that book up. It's magnificent. And they've actually carried it on. And even when John Byrne left, they left it in very capable hands with legends like Marv Wolfman and Roger Stern and Dan Jurgens who did a whole Death of Superman story arc, which again mm-hmm. was loosely adapted in Batman versus Superman. Those are the comics to pick up because they are magnificent. And of course, if you pick up DC Universe by Alan Moore, his three finest Superman stories are in there, and they are three of the finest Superman stories ever told. Because he was given, before John Byrne took over, when they did the Crisis on Infinite Earths and they rewrote DC history, it was Alan Moore that DC gave the final story of the classic Superman to, to write it. Mm. So he wrote the last story of the Golden and Silver Age Superman before John Byrne took over. And oh, again, it's a thing of beauty. I, I look forward to speaking to you about it. Yeah, because it's one of those things I have a, a weird perspective on a lot of these things because I'm, I'm entering the game, I'm not necessarily late in my life, you know, I'm, I'm only sort of mid-20s at the moment, so it's it's not that late, but like where I've, I've almost had the, the scratching the surface view of a lot of the superhero stuff, not just because, you know, the MCU and the DCU and that sort of thing, but also I've got into the games, which... The games and things from, especially in the sort of the 90s and whatnot, a lot of the ones I played, like Spider-Man, like my favourite villains, like Darth Vader is probably one of the best villains ever, almost objectively, but, you know. Definitely. Yeah, and so when you, excluding those sorts of big hitters, I think that Venom and Carnage are just two of the most intriguing, the symbiotes of Spider-Man, are just some of the most intriguing villains-ish, anti-heroes, however you want to frame them, because... They, I think the reason I love them so much is there's that human element. And that's one of the things I love about certain characters. Like Joker's brilliant because he is basically, he twists humanity against itself in the right Mm -hmm. way. Whereas when you get a villain like, um, like uh, I like this film, but uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, you know, Ultron Mm -hmm. as a villain, one of the big flaws is that he seems quite complicated. And at the end, it's just, oh, he wants to just destroy humanity for the sake of it. It's a bit like that doesn't intrigue me because okay you want to destroy stuff that's that's not cool that's not interesting but with the joker as an example he wants humanity to see itself as ugly as he views it and that's a very interesting game to play and i think that because of that with the symbiotes the whole idea that you get this parasite that gives you basically superpowers Mm -hmm. but it it makes certain in air quotes negative or the sort of more passionate parts of you more intense it ramps up certain parts of humans and this is a weird comparison but um have you seen red dwarf not much okay well red dwarf there's a there's a a couple of episodes with something called the polymorph and the polymorph basically attaches and it takes away certain key parts of one's personality so there's a character in it called cat who's really really uh, obsessed with himself and very prideful and things and the polymorph attaches to him and it just takes away all his pride and so for the whole episode there's the cat who is well, obviously he is basically the physical manifestation of a cat with no pride. And then you've got other characters who's like, you know, one of them is just like a massive egotistical dick and it takes away all his aggression. So he's this really calm, but he's got all this and he's like, um, there's one line I love of it. And he's like, right, we're going to hit with full force. We're going to get them as hard as we can. We're going to hit them with a full leaflet campaign. And obviously, because that's like <laughs> the least aggressive thing you could possibly do. And it's all, and he's got a t-shirt, I think, which is um, 
oh, I'm going to give Keish a chance and things like that. And it's just, oh, I love, I love series or what if Stugs, whatever, when they get a character, you know, or just humans and they strip take them elements. Back. Yeah. Yes. They have a strip them back or enhance elements. Yeah. And that's what I love about the symbiotes. So I wondered if in that realm, uh, with some of the, the comic books and things you like, if, is, is that the sort of thing you like most about, uh, comics? What, what, what exactly yeah. is fuels you? Exactly that. I always, I mean, I do love the old, the old, I mean, throw down and mindless action for entertainment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the comic books where, and I, I use this phrase a lot, um, is the comics that shine a, a, a mirror on humanity. That they're the ones that really get me. Um, I'm not into the huge violence and killing, um, so I don't like characters like Lobo, but I do think Frank Castle Punisher is fascinating mm. because. I still, and I don't know why, still see him as heroic mm. because I put myself in his shoes. What would happen to me if, God forbid, I, I lost my wife and son to that level of violence, to that level of crime? Would I react in a similar similar way? Which is why Killing Joke, again, is it true what Joker says? Is humanity just one bad day away from where he is? It's things like that. I mean, again, Batman he can only be Batman because of his wealth. Um, that's let him go away for, and train for 20 years. But he, again, could, with the right training, with the right level of money, we could theoretically be Batman. Whereas other characters, um, magic rings and superpowers and helmets imbued with the spirits of ancient um, deities, that's really not realistic. But... When you get, like you said, the symbiotes, um, I, I like Venom in particular because he's more of an anti-hero carnage, terrifies me because he's basically, he's basically Joker with superpowers. Yeah. And, and that's fucking scary. That's a very terrifying thought. But Venom, Eddie Brock is an arrogant dick and Venom brings that out of him, but he's still a decent human being. Mm -hmm. And that's what I like when you get your worst traits enhanced, you can become carnage. But when it brings out the best of you, you could be a venom. Mm. Um, that's what I love. I love that when comics, I don't want them too real, because again, I like my fantasy. I want to be taken out of the real world sometimes. But when they're just real enough that you can identify with it and feel with it, feel for it, that's when any fiction, not just comics, movies, any fiction is at its best. So again, why I love Star Wars, because every character, particularly in the original trilogy, is a real human being with real emotions and real problems. And Luke, Han and Leia are three of the greatest characters in fiction, period, mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned. And Anakin's tragic story, but the way he does in the end bring balance to the Force. What pissed me off with Star Wars, mate, is when they change the titles. Because mm. I don't know if you know that the prequel trilogy was originally slated to be called Balance of the Force, Rise of the Empire, and Revenge of the Sith. Oh, Why they know. changed Balance of the Force to the Phantom Fucking Menace mm. and Rise of the Empire to Attack of the Clones, I thought, um, George said, oh, he just wanted it to sound more like the older uh, movie serials he grew up with watching, like Flash Gordon. I said, well, yeah. <laughs> okay, mate, whatever, fine. <laughs> It's one of those things with Star Wars where I find that George Lucas, he, 
he needs someone he needed someone to rein him in a lot which is why yeah, you know empire exactly. and return of the jedi are so good because he wasn't the director he you know exactly. he had people to pull him back a little bit and that's why yeah. as much as i do enjoy the prequels he was just left untethered and that's why there's yeah. so many many the scripts in my mind that it's just big holes in it and it's just like people like lucas he has these big ideas that are just incredible the star wars universe in itself is one of the one of the reasons i love it more than anything uh, franchise wise is because yeah it's so massive and now what disney are starting to do although i've got some strong opinions on certain aspects of the the new sort of stuff of disney the what i'm happy what they're doing especially all the series is they're they're spreading out they're doing loads of crazy stuff and like um uh, Taikai Watiti, uh, you know, he made Thor Ragnarok come for the Wood of People, what we do in Shadows. Him. Yeah, he's great. And you watch interviews with him and he just loves to have fun. And he keeps saying online, constantly, he keeps saying, I'm going to ruin Star Wars. Like, he, whenever he goes in an interview and they ask him what he's going to do with his new Star Wars film, he's like, I'm going to ruin it. He's like, I'm going to completely ruin Star Wars for everyone. <laughs> because he's just like, because every, there's so many toxic fans out there or people yeah. who just don't like yeah. the films but can't Absolutely. shut up about not liking the films. You know, I try and be balanced about it. And mm. he's... If he does with Star Wars what he does with Thor Ragnarok, I'm 100% in. And I want, I want Star Wars to get weird. I want yep. That's what I like about the, some of the comics. And I think the comics are the least consumed of Star Wars media. And, there and are, they're some of the best. Exactly. All the Darth Vader comics, I think, are better than oh, most amazing. of the portrayals of Vader in uh, a lot of... Excluding probably the original trilogy. But, like, there's a lot of... Dark, all the air quotes bad Star Wars comics really are just okay. You, I feel like you probably feel that about a lot of Batman comics. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Because to me... A bad Star Wars comic is still better than half the comics out there and still better than some of the Star Wars media that's official. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the Star Wars comics and some of the old Star Wars novels. Oh, mate, 100% with you. Totally agree with you. Exactly. So it's one of those things where even though some of them are okay and you go, like I've been tackling all of them on comics in Canada. I've been obviously going back and reading them with like a fine tooth comb and doing connections. Mm -hmm. And even the okay ones have still got really cool connections. Absolutely. But it's like if your worst part of comics is okay well then you think how good it can be and i just i like that a lot of these creators get to be a bit wild and creative with it like with characters like darth vader you get you only see you know the original trilogy is only about four years so you only really get to see four years of vader when he was vader for you know uh 23 years technically so it's like what was he doing for the other 19 well the comics give you insight Mm -hmm. and he gives that human side of it so oh excuse me i want to ask as well with you and uh comics I don't know if you've answered this before, so but if you have, apologies. But when you got into comics, has that been from the start when you were younger, you got into comics and you've always been since, or has it kind of been a bit of an up-and-down journey for you? Oh, it has been up-and-down, obviously, because obviously when you reach a certain age and you get into girls and you want to settle down <laughs> and get married and have that. a life and a relationship, <laughs> I, I sold a whole bunch of comics uh, in my early 20s to help get our first place and stuff like that. But... Mm. Um, I don't know if it's lucky or unlucky, depends which way you look at it. My wife will definitely say unlucky, but I'll say lucky. <laughs> In the early 90s, when I did stop for a while, is when comics grew up. It's mm-hmm. when Dark Knight Returns came out. It's when Batman Year One came out. It's when Killing Joke and Alan Moore Swamp Thing and, and Miracle Man and Watchmen came out. And that's when I picked up a comic and thought, well, hang on. All the stuff I was getting tired of, people in tights beating the crap out of each other, that isn't all the comics are about anymore. I can pick up a comic about um, starvation in the third world from 2000 AD. They did a comic called crisis Um, and 2000 AD itself, which was always years ahead of of its uh, compatriots. It's when comics grew up at roughly the same age I did. So I just got dragged kicking and screaming back into the fold. So (laughs) 
here I am at 50 plus and probably reading more comics now than I ever did when I was a kid or a teenager. I mean, granted, a lot of it I have to read because I've been assigned to read it and I've been sent it by the comics company to do reviews for. I, I do read very little for pleasure anymore, which is quite painful. But hey, um, who else can say that they get given comics to read and write about uh, and that's what they do every day? I mean, I'm not going to knock it. But yeah, it was up and down, but I never fully left. I sort of left, but always kept my eye on it, and I'm so glad I did. It's I would be here talking to fine people like you if I wasn't. <laughs> well, it's funny because one of the reasons that I think I've said the story before, but I'll, I'll say it again to on this show. But like the weird thing is with me with Star Wars comics, I almost did the same as what you did, but I did it in a very, very, very short space of time. So like with me, I um. When I was younger, I was into comic books a little bit more, and I read. I think Marvel Zombies was one of the first big things I read after you know getting into before the MCU was a thing. Yeah, and Ash versus the Marvel Zombies one of the coolest things I've ever read in my life. When you've got that, was just blew my mind. I was like, wait a minute, you can get characters who aren't Marvel fighting Mm -hmm. Marvel Zombies. What you get, Ash from the Evil Dead fighting a zombie Howard the Duck. What is this? It's the craziest shit in the world. I love it. I need to get my hands on all those comics and um, do that at some point, but. I got into that and then I kind of eased off and I, I basically say that a lot of my nerdy stuff took a backseat when I went to college, got into girls and drinking, mm-hmm. God knows what else. Yeah. And then what happened is as um, as the MCU kind of started to flourish and things and sort of nerd culture came back into the mainstream and whatnot, the sort of things, bits and pieces here happened. And obviously the new Star Wars canon came up and all the new films. And funnily enough, a friend of mine, um, I hadn't bought any Star Wars comics ever until probably about four or five years ago now and a friend of mine bought me three variants of dr afra number one and oh that's a classic yeah it's dr afra comics are brilliant for anyone listening but um he got me variants and i'd never even heard of dr afra and i was like these are cool and i was like but they're such nice variants they're they're still bagged and boarded not touched and i was like i'm not even going to open them so i bought issue number one non-variant edition and i read it and i was like wait a rogue archaeologist who's basically the antithesis of indiana jones in star wars and mm-hmm. she's got droids with her, which is a mm-hmm. homicidal trip, basically homicidal C-3PO and a basically machine tank version of R2-D2 that both like killing people and draining their blood. I was like, I'm sorry, this exists. Why have I not heard of this? So I started collecting Afra, and then she did a crossover with the main run of Star Wars, which I, I wasn't as into because I was like, I've heard a lot about Luke and Leia and Han from the original trilogy and stuff. So I was like, I don't need to read them. But then yeah. the comics do get some quite interesting stories with them. So I was like, okay, I start collecting them. And then I was like, wait a minute. Dr. Africa keeps mentioning something about Vader. Well, she... And I was like, oh, there's Vader comics. I was sick. And eventually I kind of realized that they're all, you know, intertwined and stuff. And I went back and collected... It's uh, a real universe. Absolutely. It's mental. The comic universe of Star Wars is almost its own thing. And I got into all that sort of stuff. And then when I moved out, uh, when myself and Megan got together, which is about two and a half, three years ago, um, I I had a Odin Limitless card as well. I used to go to the cinema all the time and things. And I was like, right, I need to start saving money to spend more time with her and be able to save up for things so i was like okay i won't buy any more comics i'll just keep the darth vader run uh, that's going i'll keep getting those uh, issues and aside from that i don't really need any more star wars comics i'm fine with you know i don't have time for them yeah. and then when i started talking to um uh chris dave and scott when we did this uh, star wars collaboration thing while genuine chit chat was going they they kind of fired me up for star wars again they got me excited again they're like man you know so much about star wars blah, blah, blah. and i was like i don't know that much but thank you and because of that, and then they asked me to do the Star Wars show, I still had, at that point, I probably had about, of the new canon that's now seven years old, I had probably about three years worth of the comics. And there was just little bits and pieces here that I didn't have. 
And so I started doing comics in canon and I was like, oh, there's a little, oh, I haven't got this little section. I've got this. And from doing Star Wars comics in canon, now I've got all of uh, the canon Marvel comics again. But because of doing the show, yeah. it's reignited. And now Absolutely. I do what you do. I say that the joke thing I say is whenever I go to bed, um, me and Megan go to bed like 10-ish because she has to get up early and stuff. So we normally go to bed and then I read in bed for like two hours. And I've got an hour of reading for work, which is Star Wars comics in canon, mm-hmm. writing notes, all that stuff. And then I give myself an hour, which is normally half an hour reading comics I want and half an hour reading a book I want and it's funny that in the week normally I'm like yeah. more strict on reading comics for the podcast and stuff mm-hmm. but then I feel re- and then once I really when I've recorded the episode <laughs> of Styles Comics in Canon I'm like cool I've got two days where I can read whatever I want and then I probably have to get back to reading what I'm doing next week yeah. so I just find it quite funny that in a yep. very micro way I've kind yep. of mirrored your, yep. your journey that's the way it is I, mean, I can't wait till you hear the Fantastic Four episode on Monday because I adore these characters. I love the Fantastic Four. But I own close to like 400 Fantastic Four comics. And I ended up pulling them all out, mainly to skim through and get facts, but I ended up reading half of them. Mm. And when you're reading 400 comics in a week to do a podcast, (laughs) um, it can put strains on other parts of your life. I mean, thank Christ I'm on furlough and I'm at home. (laughs) But this show could end up killing me because I don't do anything by halves. I don't like, particularly when Superheroes of Dummies is a show for the listener. They tell us who they want us to talk about. They send us in the questions. So I don't want to let anybody down. Um, but this show, I think, is slowly killing me <laughs> but in a really good way. And every now and then, I mean, I don't know everything, and I'll never pretend to know everything. I'm not that arrogant. We have to thank Christ for people like Matt Lloyd and Steve Conroy who can come in because they're the experts on the Golden Age, they're the experts on Superman. Um, coming up, if we do the Moon Knight episode and his votes are growing, I'm going to have to get Scott on because I've got about – 50 60 odds of moonlight comics but i think he's got them all mm-hmm. he loves moonlight so um it, when i have guest stars actually it's a bit of a relief and it takes a bit of pressure off but it's my own fault for having ten thousand comics and, and loving them so much so there you go but mm-hmm. it was going to be a weekly show if this was a weekly show i would no longer be alive no i, I can imagine <laughs> twice a month is all i could manage I'm in the same boat with comics in canon because, like, sometimes right. I'll be doing it and I'll be I'll be writing them out and I'll be like, I'll always have these moments in podcasting and I'll always be like, you know, you have one of those weeks or two where everything's just really busy and by the end of it you're just like, I'm so exhausted and I'm making myself tired and and worn out just for oh, a yes. podcast. And then I always have this and I've done it with comics in canon. I'm like. God, I go into so much detail on my Star Wars show. Do people need this amount of detail? And as soon as I think that, I'll get a message from someone I've never met going, God, I love Star Wars comics in canon. The way you go into detail about all the planets and the species is so cool. And I'm like, okay. clear. And I, I hope that's what it's like with you as Super for Dummies. Every now and then you're a bit like, oh, do, exactly, do I go into yeah. too much detail? And then someone goes, mate, your show's amazing. And you're like, fine, I'll go back fine. into it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly that. When people like you, I mean, it was so lovely what you said that, that you liked the show and you enjoyed it. That's what we want to hear. Anyone who messages me and says, listen, I've picked up some comics because of your show, that to me alone, job done. <laughs> that is the highest praise. I can And when they say, oh, I didn't realize that. I read it one way and I didn't quite get it. But when you've explained it, that makes so much more sense to me. And I've gone back and reread it. And now I love it. And when I didn't quite get it the first time, little reactions like that. Oh, it's great, isn't it? 
Mm, it's the best. And, and sticking with that, actually, I want to ask, I wrote a little note about this with Killing Joke, and it's a question that Matt, uh, Mask, uh, Max asked me when I was on mm. his show. And it was, with Killing Joke, obviously, in the, the canon, in a sense, there's been comics after the Killing Joke. So we, yes. we know what happened. We know that Batman doesn't kill Joker. But when you read it for the first time, did you interpret the ending as Batman would have killed Joker or not? Because I'd be intrigued by what you sort of thought of that ending, maybe the first time you read it. The first time I read it, um, I did find it incredibly jarring because the laughter ceased suddenly, but the mm. sirens continued. And when it was first touted, it was touted as an out-of-continuity standalone graphic novel. So it could have been set at the end of Batman's career. And it was just after stuff like Dark Knight Returns, which showed Batman retired and then coming back. And in that story, uh, Batman's disappearance Joker goes into a catatonic state and no longer has the will to live. And he only comes out of it when Batman returns. So I thought, well, yeah, this is a reality. This is a story where Batman has done it. He's finally taken this sadistic clown and put him out of his misery. And then I had other people say, oh, no, no, no. He's just literally knocked him out and stuck him in the... um, the paddy wagons take him back to Arkham Asylum. And I thought, oh yeah, that, that's a bit more realistic. But when it got so much traction, when it went into like 20th printings and when they brought the crippling of Barbara Gordon into comics canon, then of course, yeah, we knew that he hadn't killed him. But reading it the first time, I was one of the people who thought, yeah, he's done it. He's, he's, he's killed Joker and I don't blame him. But um, if you want a fantastic little twist on the killing joke, you've probably heard us talk about it. Pick up Batman Three Jokers. I've been wanting to get that for ages. In fact, I've I subtly asked Megan. My birthday's in two weeks, less than. I've been subtly. I've mentioned it. Oh, to Megan. another Pisces. My birthday's next week. Oh, well, happy birthday! It mine's the sixteenth of March. Yeah, tenth. Oh, wow. Amazing. My mate, one of my best mates, Reese, his birthday is this Sunday, the 7th, and he's yeah. been on the show as well. So it's, it is quite funny. Um, yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about um, the three Jokers and things, and I've been I've, I've been hinting at Megan to get it. But if she, it's one of those things where it's like, I wish I hadn't, because if I hadn't, I'd have bought it by an hour and read it. So I'm yeah. like, that thing of like, wait till, and I know that her, her brother, he's bought me, um, uh, they bought me uh, Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe, Omnibus. That's so funny. And, yeah, and I haven't read that yet. So I'm, I'm going to be reading that at some point. And they got me a Rick and Morty comic that's quite cool. I haven't read yet either. And there's another one they've apparently got me that um, they hadn't arrived at Christmas. So, but I'm, but I'm seeing him in like a week or so. So maybe I'll get more comics. I just said, I said, to, she was like, what do you want for your birthday? And I said, there's a couple of little bits and pieces. But I was like, in all honesty, any comic to do with DC or Marvel I'm happy with or any Star Wars variant things, I'll be happy with, you know? Wicked. And um, so after my birthday, if I haven't got three Jokers, I'm buying it. Um, and what I want as well, uh, where was I going with this? With a lot of the the Joker stuff and Killing Joke. When I was on Max's show and he asked me the question, I I read it as that sort of thing as well, where I was like, if there's ever going to be a point where Batman is going to kill the Joker, I think the Killing Joke is that time where you go, if it's either now or never in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure they've been, obviously there's certain stories in the New 52 that I've read, which have been, maybe those points is pretty damn close as well, but it's just like, it, it just shows that Alan Moore, anything he touches yes, relatively. is gold. Exactly. And I just want, I want him to make more stuff, but I also feel like if he did, it would kind of take away a little bit, if you know what I mean. I completely agree with you. Because what he's done has been so seminal, so important, and so it's had such an effect on readers and writers. I mean, uh, if you don't think about Jeff Johns, he's one of the biggest writers in DC and one of the most popular writers in comics history. 
um, he did a sequel to Watchmen, Doomsday oh, Clock. Oh, my friend Alex loves that. He's got them all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Brilliant. And literally Three Jokers is almost kind of like a sequel to um, Killing Joke. Mm. So um, it shows that even the greatest comics writers of today are influenced by Alan Moore's work. The latest one of Justice League Dark, just like Neil Gaiman's Sandman, is a continuation and relates to and quotes and homages and even references actual lines of dialogue from Alan Moore's something. Oh. So, yeah, you're, you're spawn. If he started writing stuff again now, it could take away from that whole niche, that whole cracking time, which he filled in and made his own. And I, I agree. They, leave it alone. Like sometimes when they did the first Watchmen sequels, when they did before Watchmen, mm-hmm. um, none of it was awful. Some of it was okay. And a couple of bits and pieces were absolute magic. So I thought, hmm, okay. So they're getting people who give a shit. They didn't just hand this stuff out and let any old dickhead write anything <laughs> he wanted about the Watchmen characters. They obviously gave it to people who cared and who looked beyond and, and wrote and added to the mythos. The Watchmen TV show does that again beautifully. That mm. is just fucking magic. I want to and get again, into that. Yeah. It, oh, mate, I can't wait till you watch that. But um, one word of warning, it's not a follow-up to the movie. It's a follow-up it's to the comics. The graphic novel. Yeah, and I know yeah. the ending of the movie is it misses out a big chunk of basically what happens. Well, it doesn't miss out. It simplifies and makes it a lot easier to swallow without making the film 10 hours long. So I love what, what the, the Watchmen movie. I think it's magnificent. I, I adore it. But the TV show, yeah, is a direct sequel to the comics. Mm-hmm. Doomsday Clock is not just a sequel to Watchmen but it brings the Watchmen into the DC universe. And yes. that is a very fine line to balance. I mean, half the fans loved it, half the fans hated it. That's going to happen with a story like that. Personally, the whew, it was brave. The whole idea of even trying that, I, I went in, and if you read any of my reviews for Doomsday Club, I went in saying, I'm going to hate this. I'm not going to like this. I'm going to hate this. And two issues in, I said, well, actually, no, I'm wrong. Um, this is really good stuff. They care. This isn't just a cash-in on Watchmen. They liked it. And the art by Gary Frank. Oh, meeting him was a joy and talking to him. I I, I, I interviewed him while he was still working on the final issue. Mm. And, oh, wow, what a guy. And the artwork. The way it's completely different to Watchmen, but you can feel it. And it's the same with um, Jason Fabok art in Three Jokers. I can't wait for you to read them. But first, reread Watchmen as an adult. Mm, You're yeah. going to come away thinking, wow, okay, wow. And please, when you have read it, listen to Max's show, Mandatory Marvel in DC, where, where he, he and I talk Watchmen. Because, mm-hmm. again, I'm gonna you're going to look at it and go, hang on, I didn't see that. What's Steve talking about? <laughs> oh, fuck, he's right. What? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I saw that episode and I was like, I'm not going to look at that. I was like, nah, I'm going to read Watchmen read first, first and then I'll well get done. into it. Yeah, well done. I'm going to do like an, an, I'm quite a completionist in a lot of ways. And so I'm going to try and do, not every Alan Moore thing, but I'm going to try and do, you know, a lot of the Alan Moore stuff from over the next little while. And obviously Miracle Man. Well, to be fair, Killing Joke was like the first one. Um, and it's funny because like Killing Joke was kind of my, before this podcast, before Man Talking Around DC, anything like that, it was just by chance I got my hands on Killing Joke. And then- I have to ask you, Mike. Hmm. You've got a copy of the physical book, right? Yeah. That, that you, you managed to get hold of. Mm-hmm. Is it a paperback or a hardback? 
it's a hardback i think it's the special edition it's colorized uh, okay. and it's got like an in- introduction stuff by okay. brian bollard i think it is brian bolland yeah hmm. uh, so yeah he's he's you've got the recolored remastered edition okay yeah i was gonna say if you'd managed to get hold of one of the paperbacks that's some serious money but okay <laughs> no it's not um, you were saying but- it's uh, it's one of the things where I, I really get into like as I said the Star Wars comics was just my mate bought me some variant covers and then the Killing Joke I got because my friend was just clearing it out yeah. it's just these weird little things and so in in line with that like I, I want to get into more Alan, Alan more stuff as well but one of the sort of we, we, we've been chatting for over an hour now so I'll, I'll let you go to your evening shortly but I want to chat right, whenever you want <laughs> with um with Miracle Man I've been pondering this while reading it do you think that they should make it into other media like well, it wouldn't be a movie it'd have to be a series do you oh, think so do you think that would you trust anyone if they announced a miracle man series would do you think they could actually do it justice or do you think it's better just to be left untouched and hopefully with eventually the silver age and the neil game and stuff sort of apo- apocrypha apocrypha <laughs> i can never pronounce it apocrypha. properly apocrypha with those you know eventually apparently and the silver age stuff getting released hopefully that'll be a new wave of people getting into it and hopefully it'll get the full credit it deserves in the mainstream as well would you want it to be a series or would you rather it stays preserved in its perfect glory um that's a really good question I love it in comic book form, and I do think it's a masterpiece that should be left alone. But in the right hands, as a TV series, it could be a thing of beauty. And by the right hands, I mean someone like Neil Gaiman, mm. because he is an accomplished script writer and TV producer, as well as a comic book writer. If you've seen Good Omens, I have, which is a love wonderful it. adaptation of the novel. Um, if you've heard his Sandman audio adaptations, but I don't think you haven't read the comics yet. Um, Neil Gaiman has um, helped put forth season one of an audio adaptation of the Sandman comics. Mm. And honestly, it's absolutely magnificent. It literally every episode is one issue of the comic mm. and it is great. It's so great. In fact, they've already commissioned seasons two and three. Oh, wow. And on the strength of that, They've cast the first season of a Sandman TV show as well with him at the helm. Now, I know he didn't write the first 16 issues. He didn't write the first three volumes of um, Miracle Man, but he took over. Hmm. And he didn't just take over. Alan Moore said, listen, mate, you're the only one I want writing this. And he didn't pastiche Alan Moore. He didn't even continue Alan Moore's story. He went in a completely different direction with it. And it's only in the second book, and you've heard me say this, The Silver Age had two issues printed in 1992, and that's it. There are another four issues to come, and then there's The Dark Age as well. So uh, 30 years I've been waiting for these fucking comics, Mike. 30 (laughs) bloody years. Um, there's rumours they're coming at sometime this year. I've been chatting to the artist, Mark Buckingham, and he says, yes, they're coming. He's co-writing it with Neil now, not just doing the art. Mm. If Gaiman was behind the TV show, yes, I'd totally be up for it. Or mm. someone like Damon Lindelof, who did Watchmen. But I wouldn't want him to do, again, a sequel to Alan Moore's Miracle Man. I'd want him to adapt Alan Moore's Miracle Man and Neil Gaiman's Miracle Man, because... You don't fuck with perfection. Mm. Those yeah. stories, 
have to remain as they were. Yeah, that's that's the thing I was kind of thinking was like it w- it would be, you know, if you said to me, if you said right, someone's making Miracle Man, but I'm not going to tell you who. What percentage chance do you think it's going to be amazing? And obviously, I'm, as I said, I'm only at the moment of recording mm. this, only uh, probably two thirds through book two, but I can see just from where I am now, I can see how amazing it's going to be in in the realm. So I'm thinking. If you just said of every creator, of every producer, every person in Hollywood, all that sort of stuff, if everyone had a crack at it, I feel like less than 5% would get it right of just what I've experienced so 100% far. 100% agree with you. Totally. And that's one of those things where when you get it, it's like, there's been lots of Star Wars stories I've read, like a lot of the Vader stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'd be happy for it to become made because hopefully it'd get more people to experience some of these cool stories. But the problem is... Uh, the, one of the reasons it's so it works so well is because every tiny little aspect of it is done perfectly, and that's why Charles Saul yeah. for me, he's one of the best. I think he's becoming. Brilliant there's a lot writer. of people spoken about it that he's becoming almost like viewed as in years to come, maybe one of the modern day gamers. Not quite as big as Moore or Gaiman, but like for Star Wars especially, he's at the helm of mm, some incredible stuff. And he's he's done a book called um, High Republic: Last of the, uh, Light of the Jedi. It's it's phenomenal. It's hopefully High Republic will become. Uh, live action and series and all that sort of stuff in years to come but once again it's one of those things where i i the part of me wants it to become a thing because more people experience it and like megan's not really into comics or uh reading star wars stuff so it's like oh, i'd want her to see it but equally it's so like the prequels are a perfect example of star wars i feel like if if i wouldn't ever want anyone to remake them because i just think that's a whole can of worms but i just think mm-hmm. if someone when george Lucas was making them tweaks five ten percent of it they would have mm-hmm. gone from like it's basically Absolutely. get rid of get rid of Jar Jar, make Anakin and Padme work better and improve the script. The, almost every problem with the prequels is gone, and they could have become mm-hmm. maybe not quite as, but revered in, and viewed in the similar way that the original trilogy was. But mm-hmm. it's because of that weird five ten percent leeway of just that tweaking can make yeah. or break a show. And Absolutely. I think that you said that with like quite a few adaptations. I know you spoke about. Um, uh, Swamp Thing I think you said the series is pretty good but then there's a couple of movies that are a bit pants and like mm-hmm. I think Swamp Thing is one of those things of what you've spoken about is they haven't fully got an adaptation that has hit Correct. the nail on the head yeah yeah absolutely because everyone will see it in a different way and everyone will interpret it in their own way and what you need to have is a creator who not just gets it but loves it And that's where a lot of adaptations go wrong, where they see it, they think, oh, I think this is what people like about it, and I think this is what people like about it, and that's what we're going to put into the film. They haven't come from a place of respecting the source material or being passionate about the source material. And like you said with Star Wars, with the prequels, honestly, the plots are fantastic. The actual story ideas are great. What lets it down is the direction and the dialogue. Mm -hmm. Like you say, if someone else had done, like um, they did with Empire and with Return of the Jedi, let George write the plot, let someone else write the script and someone else direct it. I mean, what's better than Empire Strikes Back? To me, that is still the best Star Wars movie. And Rogue One. Rogue One, I love. It's awesome for Vader alone. Um, but oh, for everything else, the fact that you see the Empire as, yes, the Empire is this evil, tyrannical force, but there are decent human beings working for it. The people mm-hmm. who designed the Death Star didn't specifically design it to be a weapon of mass destruction to destroy Alderaan. They thought they were doing something else, and it got warped and manipulated by the evil, the, the wrong people. 
And I think that's what happens in the prequels. They got <laughs> manipulated and turned into weapons of destruction by the wrong people. But there you yeah. go. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's one of those things where it, it's it's one of those things as well. That what, one of the things I like most about you, Steve, is and what I love hearing whenever I hear you talk on any of the podcasts and things is that. Uh, you're an optimist in the way of I really am. You, you try th- there's so many things in this world be it in or out of comics to to look at in a bad way there's so many things I could easily sit here and talk about all the things in my life that are negative or things that mm-hmm. bad have happened to me that are shit it's just like life for most people is shit enough as it is without everyone it's... else piling on and yep. it's all you got to do is like even with some of the crap or well, say crap even some of the comics i've read that aren't that great or even the prequels that you know have some heavy flaws mm-hmm. in them i don't want to just attack a person especially Absolutely. some of the horrible people on twitter have attacked some of the actors in oh. the sequel trilogy that's horrendous and unforgivable but it's just like there's so many reasons to like these things it's just it's, it's very simple and i think you do what i do which is if you consume content and you don't like it you don't yeah. go on about how shit it is. You don't tear people down who don't like it. You just go, mm-hmm. I'm not going to bother with that again. I'm just not fast. Exactly. It's not for me. And that's exactly. one of the things I like. And you you put a big spotlight on the things that are amazing. And if something's a bit crap, you're just like, ah, it wasn't for me. It didn't hit me right. Or they didn't do this mm-hmm. right for me. You never go, you know, oh, the reason this is bad is because it's shit. And if you think it's good, you're no. an idiot. Like, you've, I've no, never I heard you say never anything like that. that. And never that's one of the things... I think that has made you uh, in both the podcasting realm, but also in the realms of, you know, your own fantastic universes, DC comic news, dark Knight news, all of those realms. I think one of the reasons that you're getting the audience and the community around them that you are is because people are recognizing that. And I think there's too many people online that are just, especially in star Wars. I see it so often. Yeah, there's so many toxic, it's, it's awful. It's just like, there's so many people like for, as an example, rise of Skywalker, not my favorite film. Bluntly, there's a lot of flaws in it, but mm-hmm. I don't want to attack the people who made it because exactly. they weren't trying to make a shit film. Nope. I, don't, I don't think it was the opposite. No one ever would try and make a no, shit film. No one's going to active. If someone went into stars, like, yeah, I'm going to fucking ruin it. You know, to guy with mm-hmm. saying as a joke, but you know, if someone was actually genuinely doing that, that they wouldn't, why would you spend that much energy getting to that point to that that's yeah. just not it makes no sense JJ although he was misguided in some ways in my view he wasn't trying to ruin the trilogy and I don't think he did and no. I just like the fact that you you hype you focus on the good rather than yeah. the bad and I just want to say that I thank you for that and it's refreshing to hear someone thank who's you. been in that realm for so many years and especially it comes down to superheroes for dummies where your passion comes through so fiercely with the fire burning beneath it without the destruction that, that the mm-hmm. passion can bring. And I, I just want to say thank you for that because it's 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 Thanks, inspired mate. me a lot to get into comics more of how, how much you love them. And, and you acknowledge there's, you know, 80 years of Batman. Not all of them are good, but Absolutely. you don't have to focus on those, but so you can mm-hmm. just glaze over them. And that's what I appreciate about you. Why I'd never understood why people would waste time on energy on hate. Mm. I don't get it. If I don't like something, why would I torture myself with it? I mean, it's no joke. I mean, it's no coincidence either. Max and I had this banter, and Steve Conroy and I, Aussie Steve, have this this back and forth banter about Superman 4. I despise (laughs) that film. But I also realised that it did have some decent ideas. Uh, The soundtrack by Alexander Courage is one of the finest Superman soundtracks. It wasn't uh, John Williams who did the music for that film, but the music in that film is wonderful. And that was the hard work of hundreds of people 
to create that movie with a budget of about 50p they they did what they could um so what we had this banner of oh, i think it's the worst superhero movie and I, I i honestly do mean i would never sit down and watch that film again i, I wouldn't it's the only film i've walked out of the cinema at and i forced myself to sit through the blu-ray when i got the box set to say well let me give it a chance maybe it's better than i thought but I will not say to Steve, oh, you're wrong. How can you love that film? It's shit. You're, you're, you're an idiot or nonsense. No, because there's something about that film he loves and we just have a joke about it. And I celebrate people who love something, even if I hate it. Because if you like something and it's made you happy, that's great. That's really cool. Do I like it? No, but I don't have to watch it ever again. And I, and I won't. <laughs> that's just me. I can't dwell on the negatives i do not want to waste my life on something i hate and, and arguing with people about it if there's someone who says oh steve i've read this comic and it's brilliant and i it's a comic that i think is brilliant then look at me and you this was supposed to be a show about something completely different the guest couldn't uh, make it on for whatever reason and we've turned it into an hour and a half discussion about something we love and we're both smiling isn't that a pursuit much more worthy of our time and efforts mm, exactly. than hating on something and arguing about it hundred percent. And one of the things I love as well about comics in motion is the comics on trial aspect is so brilliant because we're all in the same boat and the little Discord yep. chat we've got where there's like 10 or 12 of us, even when some of us like family. stuff or don't like the other thing. Yeah, it's lovely. It's a tribe. It's a family. And it's yep. just... I, comics on trial is one of my favorite ideas and i think it was uh tony and dave um, who came up with that i mean mm-hmm. if if anyone else in comics emotions listening and they came up with that then tell me and i'll put a little yeah. footnote in go sorry but i'm pretty certain it was tony and dave and one of the things i loved was um the, a good example is the film hulk now funnily mm-hmm. enough um, i know that you are a fan of that film i know tony is i love well. it that's the only film i've ever walked out the cinema in but this is when i was quite young i was with my mum so that shows because no no teenage boy wants to really go to the cinema with their mum very often mm-hmm. so yeah. i was with my mum and um, it was after the the Hulk dogs came in, and I remember my mum looked at me and said, "Are you enjoying this?" And I said, "No, this is this is awful." And obviously, I was quite young. And she said, "Do you want to leave?" And I was like, "Yeah." And years later, I've I've got hundreds and hundreds of DVDs and Blu-rays and things. I'm one of the few people in the world who still does. And yeah. I went. No, I'm, I, went I do too. Oh, nice. I went through this phase of um, going to CEX once I was in my teen years and I got a little bit of money from jobs, etc. And I'd go into CEX once a month and I'd spend five, ten quid on DVDs. And in CEX, for people who aren't aware, uh, maybe people in American stuff, it's a used DVD shop and you can buy DVDs for as cheap as like 20p. And I remember going in there and most DVDs are two or one to five pounds ish if they're not brand new. I remember seeing Hulk was 10p and it's the cheapest i've ever seen a dvd in my life and i was like i remember going it can't be that bad so i bought on dvd and i rewatched it this was once again quite a few years ago and i got to the end and i was like probably how you felt about superman 4 i was like i wish i hadn't really done that i'm glad i did to have finished it even with certain other films i haven't liked that much i'd rather finish a film i don't like and know why i don't like it rather have loads of people tell me it's crap and then i miss it and with Hulk, one of the things I loved about listening to Comics on Trial was I loved listening how much Tony enjoyed it. Because even though I don't enjoy the film, it's given me a newfound respect for it because it's clearly yep. the film isn't objectively bad. I'm I'm not sure there's many films that exist that are, except maybe Fear.com. That's a film I've seen that is pretty horrendous. But aside from that, like I don't think there is a film that you could even argue that is completely bad in every conceivable way, unless it's got some horrendous intentional racist undertones, things like that, but ignoring that sort of caveat and listening to Tony talk about uh, Hulk and defending it, it made me dislike it less. 
just from his enjoyment out of it. And that's the kind of thing that I love about this is just that with the comics of motion family and things is that we don't all specifically love the same thing, but because we're not dicks to each other about it, it gives appreciation. Exactly. And that's what I love. Exactly. Oh, well said, mate. Well said. We listen to each other. We don't argue. I mean, I'm like this. There's a guy called um, Bill Ramey who runs a site called Batman on Film. It was one of the first fan sites, and it's still a great site to visit. And he's been a great influence on my uh, journalistic career. Mm-hmm. And he and I love a lot of the same stuff, but he and I hate a lot of the same stuff. So, for example, I adore Ang Lee's Hulk. Mm-hmm. I adore Batman versus Superman. He hates Batman versus Superman with a passion. He and I will talk about it, we'll argue about it, whatever, but he'll never resort to calling me, oh, I'm a dick, oh, I'm a zaddy, I'm a Zack Snyder, Buckus, whatever. He'll just say, oh, Steve, I don't know how you can like this film. You're a Batman fan, you've been a Batman film forever. And, and I'll say, oh, but, but, Bill, but do you not see the, the tributes to Dark Knight Returns and to Batman Year One and to all this? Yeah, but, you know, this, that, and the other is too dark, whatever else. And, and but, He'll never call me a dick. I'll never call him a dick. I'll never say he's stupid. I'll never say that the film's great or anything he loves is crap. If I don't like it, we'll just agree to disagree and we'll go and love whatever we love and like whatever we like. And that's what we like at Comics in Motion as well. I wish the rest of the fucking world could be the same. Hmm. Why can't we just live and let live? Art is subjective. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. One man's trash is another man's treasure. Why can't we just accept that? Exactly. It's it's one of those, and you know that's that's a really good way to sort of wrap things up because I feel like you and I, Steve, we could probably talk for about four hours just bouncing from topic to topic. There's about five things where I wrote little notes on where I just feel like we could probably loop back and just talk about Watchmen, the film, for another hour because I yes, I watched please. the director's cut of that for a little oh, while ago, so first time. I got it on Blu-ray and I was like, yes, and I showed it to Megan and she wasn't a fan, and I was like, the director's cut has got like twenty minutes more footage, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh my god, this bit was it, this, and I was so excited. And afterwards, she was like didn't enjoy that three hours long wasn't a fact and i was like i understand completely why you didn't enjoy that but i'm glad you watched it for me because i got to experience the director's cut version but um i, I just want to say yeah steve thank you so much for coming on and uh, chat with me and stuff um anytime man. hopefully in, in the future i'll potentially try and i'll speak to the guests find out what sort of happened in that realm and potentially reschedule but it won't be for several months because we're both very busy and we've got a lot of stuff on but um yeah. do you want you i'll include links in the description to the many things that you do uh, i'll probably just copy and paste from the professor mental chat because i think i managed to get quite a few in there but <laughs> tell people where they can find you final thoughts and we'll wrap this up to hear my voice comics in motion superheroes for dummies dc comics podcast network i am the night the batman the animated series show and the main dc comics news show i'm on that most weeks to read my written work just type steve j ray or fantastic universes into your search engine of choice and that will take you to all my news reviews and interviews across a multitude of sites across the multiverse and on Twitter, Twitter, Twitter even, <laughs> chat to me at Elstevo, E-L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O. Absolutely perfect. And I will say here, guys, as well, Comics in Motion, uh, it's got some, obviously it's got my Star Wars show on there and it's got loads of other amazing shows. But at the moment, no bias and not to downplay any of the other phenomenal shows on Comics in Motion, but my personal favourite podcast in the world right now is Superheroes for Dummies. I cannot get oh, enough thanks, of it. Mate. And genuinely, every single time it comes up on my podcast feed, every Monday, it, it makes the week better because I'm just like, you know, every other Monday you get the uh, classic comics by Matt and that is a phenomenal, Beautiful. really interesting. It's so, 
intriguing hearing with the history of the golden age of comics and things but my just the top for me at the moment is superiors for dummies and i'm just so excited for every time a new episode comes out so thank to you thanks to you and thanks to dan and paul who obviously were on my show a little while ago it's it's so much fun listening to you guys chat and i can't wait for many more episodes of that to come out so steve just thank you for chatting with me and thanks for all the things you do in the comic book realm you have turned me on to so many cool comics including miracle man and the next is going to be swamp thing and then after that's going to be sandman as well as all the other things i'm going to be reading so just lucky man thank you i know i'm excited to try them all (laughs) so thank you so much for that i appreciate it Oh, well, I can't believe we pulled this out of out of thin air. This this wasn't planned. Don't at even all, have a note at all. You, <laughs> thank you for talking to me. I could talk to you all day, mate. Bless Absolutely, you. Stella. You too, dude. Well, I'll speak soon. Thanks, mate. And that's the end of the podcast. Thanks as always for tuning in, guys. As I said in the intro, make sure you go and give Steve J. Ray all the love in the world and make sure you check out his amazing show, Superheroes for Dummies, on the feed of Comics in Motion, as well as the numerous other things that he's involved with. So coming up over the next few weeks, later today, so I'm recording on the 21st of March, later today I'm speaking with a friend of mine called Glyn as well as a friend of his who's actually in The Mandalorian, which I'm very excited about. Um, I'm not, I think that will be released in a couple of weeks time. Uh, aside from that, I've got on Tuesday, there's going to be this big roundtable discussion um, with Steve J. Ray, uh, Max Byrne of Mandatory Marvel and DC and Chris and Dave of the TV and movies show on Comics and Motion as well as being hosts of the VHS Strikes Back. So it's a big comics and motion family discussion. I'm going to be airing it on here as well as it's going to be airing on the feed of comics and motion on the TV and movie side. So I'm going to air them at the same time. I'm acting as moderator. I believe I'm editing it and putting it all together and things. So if you listen to it and it sounds crap, that's my fault. Um, but it's going to be a big, probably like two, maybe even three hour long discussion on the Justice League, specifically the Zack Snyder's Justice League, or also known as the Snyder Cut. Uh, all of us have watched it. It's four hours long and we're going to have a big old discussion on it to see because we're we're going to have slightly different opinions on the matter. Um, But just for you guys know, I did quite enjoy it. I may be releasing an Afterthoughts episode with myself and Megan talking about the Justice League, um, but I haven't fully decided that as of yet. Uh, Megan is currently out at the moment doing shopping and stuff while I'm doing podcasting, so I'll have to ask her when she returns. But... Uh, aside from that, I've also got I've got a chat with Scott of the 20th Century Geek. That's going to be limed up. That's probably going to be this long-awaited HP Lovecraft discussion that we keep meaning to have. And then we almost had it last time. And then we end up just talking about sci-fi stuff for like two hours and didn't even touch on Lovecraft. So that's what's coming up over the immediate couple of weeks. I've got quite a few things in the pipeline, but I can't explicitly talk about at the moment. They're just kind of... I've got now six conversations which have been confirmed they will eventually go ahead, but the actual scheduling of them hasn't been confirmed. So I've just got these six or seven chats are kind of in the ether, which are going to happen, but I can't explicitly confirm yet. So (laughs) that's where we're at at the moment, guys. Uh, In addition to that, I've obviously got my Star Wars show, Comics in Canon, which I do release on the feed of Comics in Motion, which is as well as the Who's Superheroes for Dummies podcast, as well as a different show basically every day of the week. It's an absolutely excellent podcast network to be a part of, and everything is on one feed. So you can find them on Spotify, you can find them on Apple and Google Podcasts, and things, Anchor, loads of different places, but I have also started uploading my Star Wars podcasts to the Genuine Chit Chat YouTube channel. Um, they're exactly the same. They're just, they've got a slight visualizer with them and you get to see one comic cover that I've used for the YouTube artwork. So huzzah. Um, I'm going to start putting them into playlists a lot more. So I'm going to put them together. There's going to be the Darth Vader episodes. There's going to be ones that are the main run of Star Wars, etc, etc. I'm trying to kind of 
make everything a bit smoother. I've also got my website. I've technically got two websites, but I've got my uh, WordPress website, which I'm going to try and update a bit more and put more information about the Patreon and Star Wars Comics in Canon on there as well. So we're going to have to see how that all kind of goes because I'm putting a lot on my plate at the moment, along with all the other things I'm trying to get done. Um, but yeah, my Star Wars podcast is perfect. Whether you've seen the original trilogy, every Star Wars film, read every single piece of Star Wars content, or literally haven't consumed any at all aside from like a couple of films, it's still a really good podcast in my opinion. I try and make it so that it's perfect for people who are vaguely interested in Star Wars or who are really interested in Star Wars. I give narratives, I give connections to sort of other bits of Star Wars content, I give information on species and planets and occasionally vehicles and stuff. I do character bios. Um, I, there's loads of really cool things that I get involved with so you know make sure you check those out too in addition to that I've recently been on the 20th Century Geek podcast I did an episode that came out a few days ago so it's the the week of the 21st of March which is what day is today it was a few days ago I think it was the Wednesday which was Wednesday 17th of March so go on the 20th Century Geeks channel and you can have a lot of content from me on there because me and Megan did the three technically five part Batman retrospective on the 20th Century Geek where we tackled loads of Batman films and then after that is my Desert Island Comics episode with Scott where he he basically asked me to choose three individual issues that I would, you know, take to a desert island is a sort of the theme, but really three issues that really stand out to you. And I chose all three Star Wars comics because all the non-Star Wars stuff that I've read have been in sort of mini series or batches and things, and they wouldn't work in their own individual issues that well. Um, but I chose two Darth Vader comics and I chose the C-3PO comic where it shows how he got his red arm. And it's a surprisingly deep comic about sentience and droids and memories and things. It's, it's quite intense, but it's a lot of fun, <laughs> a lot of fun to read and I had great fun talking with Scott about that so that's in the description as well along with the other things I've guested on recently you know the Ragbag podcast uh, podcasts we listen to loads of other ones as well so make sure you go check that out too uh, in addition to that the other thing really to plug is my Patreon I'm sure a lot of you are sick of hearing about it but if I get more and more people on I won't have to keep plugging it in the end will I so I blame you unless you're one of the listeners in which case I love you um, but essentially I've got a Patreon uh, you can become a patron supporter for as little as £2 a month and I make sure I release quite a lot of content on there now so there's going to be two Afterthoughts episodes a week currently one of them is basically ongoing Star Wars run through which me and Megan are doing the other one is sort of random films and series we've done spoiler free WandaVision we've done Queen's Gambit we've done the Watchmen movie we've done obviously some Star Wars things How to Lucas a Guy in 10 Days which was Megan's choice uh the Witcher series one loads of other things and on patreon.com slash genuine chit chat if you go on there you don't need to make an account or anything like that you just go on there and take a look you can see what sort of stuff you get but also you can listen to our phantom menace afterthoughts episode which is about 20 minutes long and our witcher afterthoughts episode the the series not the game specifically um we did afterthoughts on both of those they're both completely free so you can go on there you can listen to them and if they sound like the kind of thing that you want to get sort of two a week you know they're between 10 and 15 minutes usually but if you just want like twice a week little bumps just a short podcast that don't take themselves too seriously that just me and Megan talking two different completely perspectives on a lot of the shows that we tackle and things it's just it's a lot of fun you get extra content so really if you're if each episode is like 10-15 minutes long you're getting you know maybe half an hour of extra content a week which is really about two hours of extra content a month plus you also get early access to any of the conversations I have on here that are extra long and get split into two you get early access to the second part by a week and you don't have to have the unsplit episodes and also if I finish any episodes 
episode early, I upload them on there as well. Like I did the uh, Light of the Jedi book review, so the Star Wars High Republic book. I did a massive spoiler-free version of that. It was nearly an hour long, and I put that on the feed of Star Wars Comics in Canon. But and it was it's also in my YouTube channel as well. But I released it on my Patreon feed a couple days early as well so there's loads of stuff on there to get your teeth into if you go on there right now and you signed up you could still listen to there's about an hour or so of afterthoughts on there i think and there's more to come and there's also my feed on there which i do you know photos of my collectibles videos of my tortoise other sort of previews and other things like that but it's basically a good way if you want to get extra content and you want to support the show then go over to patreon.com slash genuine chit chat uh, the link is in the description with basically the same information i've just said but you know it i've already got several support supporters and it means the absolute world to me and i want to say thank you to you know frank burton of philistine press slash the ragbag podcast tony farina of indie comic spotlight i've got margaret green who is not associated with anything that i can see so thank you to that margaret and also the newest member of the genuine chit chat patron family which is james carroll who's also known as jack's musings on twitter and things so i've already got quite a few people i've only been doing patreon for like a month or so and i've already got a good amount of people on there already and more the merrier you know the more people that join the more cool stuff i can do and the more things i will end up doing for patreon maybe not just exclusively maybe they'll be exclusive for a long period of time then i'll release a couple of them to the main ones but the point of the Patreon feed is you guys get additional content. You are paying and supporting the show, which means the absolute world to me. And then you also get additional content as a bonus on top of that. So if you want early access to longer episodes and you want a whole nother show, Afterthoughts, and a few other bits and pieces as well, you know, behind the scenes photos, etc. And also I put guest lists on there. So I put on each month the people who've agreed to come on the show that I haven't booked yet, the people that have agreed to come on the show and we've got something scheduled in, and then also the podcast that I've got recorded that I'm due to release. So if you want insights into all those things, you know, make sure you check that out too. So aside from that big Patreon plug, I don't think there's much else for me to add. Check out my Star Wars show, check out myself being on the 20th Century Geek podcast and podcasts we listen to. Make sure you give all the love to Steve J. Ray and, you know, go check out my Patreon if you feel like it deserves it. You don't have to give me any money necessarily, but I'd be intrigued to know what people think of the free episodes I've put up there. Just for any amount of feedback would be cool. And obviously, if you do decide to become a Patreon supporter, you will get one portion of my undying love, which you can't buy in retail outlets. So if that's not a reason to support this show, as well as me asking really nicely, I don't know what is. Anyway, guys, uh, thank you so much for listening uh, to this episode, especially all the way to the end where I just do random plugs and rambly nonsense all the time. And um, I just want to say I appreciate each and every one of you, either for just listening to the show or being a patron supporter. It does mean the absolute world to me. So thanks, guys, as always. And I'll talk to you next week. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by... The guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight.